My name is Gary, and uh, I want to welcome you all here, let you know we're happy to have you here today. Is everybody glad for a three-day weekend? Is everybody tired of the heat? Is there anybody ready for winter? I'm going to ask that again in three months and see what I get, okay? <laughs> Guys, we are happy to have you out today. Uh, Tim, the, the guy that's normally up here on Sundays, uh, one of the uh, other elders with myself and Alan, the song leader, uh, he's been talking, having a, a series on identity and talking about you know, how we find out who we are. And uh, he's been looking at the life of Moses, and Moses was a guy who had to spend over half his life trying to find out who he was. And once he did, he just had some incredible results as a result of that. And uh, Tim asked me to wrap up the series today and to specifically talk about how Moses' view of God changed. You see, guys, when you look at Moses... By the way, before I forget, there's no notes in your bulletin. Did you notice that? Okay. You may want to buy a lottery ticket on this one, but that's because my Mac computer screwed up yesterday, okay? I I thought I... No, no, it just... I just had to restart it. That sounds like a Windows thing, right? And I didn't realize they hadn't sent till this morning when I was sending the notes to myself for my I- to put on my iPad. <laughs> Mine is fine. <laughs> yes, Jill Doopy got the PowerPoint ready. Give Jill a hand. She got the notes at 6.30 this morning. So you can see what was supposed to be in your notes. You'll just have to scribble on the bulletin in the, in the, in the margins if you want to write something down. Okay, Or tap it out on your phone or your iPad or whatever you want. But anyway, that's where that's at in the notes. But it, guys, we've been talking about, about Moses, and we want to talk about how Moses' view about God changed. You see, the reality of the situation is, um, and I want to show a verse here. In, uh, in it's, Pat, jump to the verse in Job, if you would. There's a verse in Job chapter 42, verses 4 through 6, that we're going to look at. And you need to know something. You see, there's some other verses that we're going to look at that talk about when Moses talked to God face to face. You see, and in the book of Job, if you haven't read Job, the story goes like this. I'll give it to you very briefly. Job is a very good guy. God thinks Job's a good guy. Satan wants to do bad things to Job, and God says, okay, do bad things to Job. He won't deny me. Bad things happen. His friends show up. And his friends say, Hey, you must have done something wrong because bad stuff is happening to you. Confess your sin and it will all be better. And Job says, No, I didn't do nothing wrong. He gets tired of talking with his friends. And so he demands, he says, I need to plead my case before God Himself. If I could plead my case before God, I would be all right because I'm a righteous man. I did nothing wrong. He is demanding an audience with God. He's demanding that God give him an answer for what's going on. And you know what happens? God shows up. And his first words out of his mouth are, out of God's mouth is, Who is it that darkens my counsel with words without wisdom? 
Job's first words out of his mouth after God spoke for a while is, I'll cover my mouth and speak no more. But he goes on, and at the end of it in the book of Job, this is what, this is what Job says. He said, you, talking about God, you said, listen and I will speak. I have some questions for you, and you must answer them. And this is what Moses, or Job says. He says, I'd only heard of you before, but now I have seen you with my own eyes. I take back everything I said, and I sit in dust and ashes to show my repentance. Guys, what has he said? I heard about God, but now I've seen Him. And I'm taking back everything that I said. Now there's two other verses. Uh, go back to those other verses, Pat. And these are about, these are about Moses. And this is about in Exodus 33, verses 9 and 11, this is what it said. As he went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and hover at its entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then in Deuteronomy chapter 34, verses 10 and 11, at the end of Moses' life, after his death, this is what it says. It says, Since then, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, who did all these signs and wonders the Lord sent him to do in Egypt. You see, guys, just like Job, Moses saw God face to face. And I believe, though, there's not a verse like Job. We don't have a record of Moses saying what Job said, that, hey, I, I'd heard about you, but now I've seen you, and uh, I'm going to take back everything I've said. But I believe that that's what happens when a person comes in contact with God. You see, now the truth of the matter is, we all have our own expectations of God, don't we? I mean, every one of us right here has an idea of what God is like. And we have certain expectations of what we think He should do for us, how He should treat us, how He should answer our prayers, which of our prayers He should answer, which of our prayers He shouldn't answer. We have those ideas. We have those expectations. But guys, I'm sorry to say, expectations can be a problem for us, can't they? You know, I was... uh talking with, uh, we were at dinner the other night, and we were talking with Susan Gebert, and Susan was talking about her and her husband have a timeshare down in Branson. They go down to Branson every year to a condo, and her husband's been busy online planning what he's going to do on Branson, which is a great thing to do. I mean, we went, our family went to Colorado Springs this year. I want to go back next year. Uh, and stay for longer, and I grabbed all the little flyers out of the motel lobby, you know, of the different stuff to do, because I want to plan it. I want to go in those, uh, uh, what do they call them? Motorized hang gliders. Hang gliders. You know, the hang gliders with a motor on your back, and you, you fly through the mountains. They let you fly it. I, I don't want to land it, but I'll fly it. As I'm planning, I'm planning on doing that. Well, she was, Susan was talking about her husband's doing that right now. She said, the only problem is, uh, it never turns out the way he expects it's going to turn out. And if anybody ever had that experience, you're hoping for something, you're, you're dreaming about something, you have these expectations of how it's going to be, and then the event happens, eh, just wasn't quite the way I imagined it. Anybody had that happen? Yeah. 
That's the way. I mean, guys, that happens in every area of our life. It happens when you go to school. You know, when you go from middle school to high school, you have expectations. Is, how's it going to be? Is it going to be fun? Is it going to be a drag? It happens when you go from high school to college. It happens when you get married. You have expectations. And I'm guessing to say reality was different than your expectations for most of you, right? Nobody's saying, nobody's agreeing with that. Guys, we have expectations. What the truth is, we have expectations about God also. And guys, we need to understand two things very quickly. Number one is that you need to understand, and this is still the introduction, but you need to know that God wants to meet with you face to face. Okay? I want, to, I want to make that very clearly. Sometimes, I mean, the way things were in the Old Testament when Moses was alive, it was, it was different. I don't know how else to put it. But we have access to God that they didn't have. Okay? And I'm going to talk more about that later on in the service. But we need to, you need to understand something. And that God wants to have a very intimate relationship with you. Did you, you realize that? God is more interested in you knowing Him than He is in you attending church on a Sunday morning. Okay, now, attending church isn't a bad thing, okay? Let me be very clear about that. I'm not saying stop coming. Please, I'm not saying that. But God is more interested in you knowing Him than He is in you being religious. He is more interested in you knowing Him than you checking off a list of good things you've done. He is more interested in you knowing Him than He is you staying away from sin. And what do I mean by that? Doesn't God want you to stay away from Yes, God wants you to stay away from sin. But guys, if a person could literally do everything God wanted and stay away from everything God didn't want him to do, God would be disappointed with him if if that person didn't know God. Do you know that? Let me, let me read this to you. Let me read you some passages. They're not in your notes. Well, you don't have any notes. They're not open. They won't be up on the screen because, again, I didn't get them there. Um, but let me read you these passages. This first one's in Isaiah. And the book, these, all these passages are from the book of Isaiah and the book of Jeremiah. And both these books are written at a time when God is not happy with His people. They have been rebellious. They have been sinful. He's sending other nations in to conquer them and to carry some of them into exile and enslave them. And this is what it says. In Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 13, it says, So my people will go into exile far away because they do not know me. Isaiah 43 and verse 10, it says, But you are my witnesses, O Israel, says the Lord. You are my servant, you have been chosen to know me, believe in me, and understand that I alone am God. There is no other God. There has never been and there never will be. Jeremiah chapter 4 and verse 22 says, My people are foolish and do not know me, says the Lord. They are stupid children who have no understanding. They are clever enough at doing wrong but they have no idea how to do right. The last one is in uh, Jeremiah chapter 9, 
verses 23 and 24, and it says, This is what the Lord says. Do not let the wise boast in their wisdom, or the powerful boast in their power, or the rich boast in their riches. But those who wish to boast should boast in this alone, that they truly know me and understand that I am the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love and who brings justice and righteousness to the earth, and that I delight in these things, I, the Lord, have spoken. You see, guys, everything else, everything that you normally see as a relationship with God or you see as being a Christian or you see as being religious is to flow out of your relationship with God. If you don't have an intimate relationship with God and you're doing a bunch of stuff, you're missing it. God wants you to know Him in a way that you don't right now. He wants you to go deeper all the time in that relationship. And so, guys, as we begin that, I just want to throw that out there. God wants you to know Him. God wants to meet with you face-to-face the way Moses did. And when you come to Him face-to-face, you can expect to <laughs> have your expectations modified. Okay? He's going to change the way you look at things. So we want to talk about today three things very quickly, because I know it's a holiday weekend, and I'm sure some of you women got food in the oven, right? <laughs> My wife's got food in the oven. We were t- we, we were talking we were talking last night, and she said, "How will I how will I make sure how will I cook lunch and have it ready for 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 you know for after church? How do I do that? Because I'm at church." And I said, "You know, women in the '70s used to do that all the time, honey." No, I don't want I wasn't trying to burn her, guys. Okay, that's just the reality of our society, is it not? In the 70s, we didn't go out to eat after dinner most of the time. We went to somebody's house to eat. And women learned how to get that food ready, right? Okay, I'm sorry. We'll go on. (laughs) Thank you, Danny. Thank you very much. We're going to talk about three things, that, three ways that God, or the Moses' view of God changed as a result of, of, of him meeting with God. Number one is that he learned that God is faithful. He is faithful. Now that seems very simple, right? You see, most of us, when we talk about being faithful, we talk about us being faithful to God. How many of you really think about God being faithful to you? Do you recognize that God has promised to be faithful to you? See, most of us don't talk about that. We talk about our faithfulness, or I need to be faithful, or, well, they, you know, talking about somebody that quit following Jesus. Well, they're just not faithful anymore. They're not being faithful to Jesus. Guys, you need to understand, God has made some promises that He intends to fulfill in your life. Okay, don't go buy a lottery ticket. I'm not going to say, I'm not telling you that. He's been faithful in other ways. And this is one of the things that Moses has learned, Moses learned. You see, when he was standing at that burning bush, and he walks up to see what's going on, and God says, take off your sandals, I'm on ho- you're on holy ground, and I am God, that's who I am. And this is what he says. The first thing he has to say in uh, Exodus 33, after all that, is this. He says, then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. 
I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and then lead, and to lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. Why do you think he starts with this? I mean, it even includes, hey, I'm going to bless them. I'm just not going to get them out of slavery. I haven't just heard their cries. There's a blessing coming. Do you want to know why that was so significant? Is because over 400 years ago, he had made the promise to do this. In Genesis 15, this is what it says when God is talking to Abraham and he's making promises to him about the nation he's going to build his family into. And this is what it says. It says, Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that for 400 years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and that they will be enslaved and mistreated there. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterwards they will come out with a great, with great possessions. You see, guys, Moses, even though he was raised by the Egyptians for the first 40 years of his life, I think it's very clear to look at his life and to know that he was taught about the Hebrew God. He was taught about God by his family. We know that because at the age of 40, the Bible tells us, he thought God was going to use him to, 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 to free the people. That's what it says in Acts chapter 7. So guys, what's going on is Moses knows that God has promised to, to deliver the people. He knows that, and that's the first thing that God comes forward for. He goes, he goes he's telling Moses, I'm faithful. I do what I said I'm going to do. I do what I promise. You see, guys, why is that significant? Why does that mean to us? Because you need to know, guys, that God's made some promises to you, and He's going to be faithful to them too. You go, whoa, 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 what promises has He made to me? Well, what's He told, told me about? He's promised that if you seek Him, you'll find Him. That's first right off the bat. He's promised that if you're willing to follow Him and make Him the Lord of your life, that He will take care of every one of your physical needs. Emphasis on the word needs, not once. Alright, we get those confused in America, don't we? You know, I joke about the lottery, but there's times where you've heard people, I need to win the lottery. No, you don't need to win the lottery. Okay, you want to win the lottery. You want life to be easy. God has promised to give you what you need. He's even promised to give you wisdom and understanding. That's what it says in James. If you lack wisdom, you ask Him. And He goes on to say, you don't have because you don't ask. Why don't people ask? Why would people not ask God for something? They don't believe He's faithful. They don't believe He's going to come through. God, God, God literally in James saying, test me. I will give you what you need. And I don't care who you are. I don't care what circumstances you are in right now. God wants you to know He's faithful. And God wants you to know He can be trusted. And the same way that He led the Israelites out of Egypt and through the Red Sea, He wants to be that faithful in your life too. You see, guys,
the Israelites coming out of Egypt and all the wonders and signs that happened, the ten plagues, and then ultimately being led through the Red Sea when God wiped out the Egyptians, that was like this point in time that the Israelites constant and God constantly pointed back to. I mean, you, you read, those of you that are reading through the Bible in a year, uh, the, the daily Bible, I know you've read about this, and I don't know if you've noticed it, the way they keep talking about the Red Sea, they keep talking about coming out of Egypt, they keep pointing back to it because they're saying, God's faithful, we should trust Him, God's faithful, that's what it's all about. God is faithful. We should do what He says. We should trust Him now with these piddly problems because He parted the Red Sea. Do you guys know that we have our own Red Sea today that we can point back to? If you're a follower of Jesus, your Red Sea is His death on the cross. You see, guys, I just, I just told you that God has promised you, has made, one pro, made a promise to you that He will take care of every one of your physical needs if you'll make Him Lord of your life. I mean, I believe He'll take care of all your, your emotional needs. He will, he will heal any emotional hurt that you have. He can handle anything, and He proved that. He says, and you can know I'm faithful if you believe one thing. And that is that I took care of the biggest problem you, you will ever have already. And that's your sin problem. That's what separates you from me. I'm gonna send, I sent my son to die on the cross so your sins can be forgiven. And if you believe that I took care of that problem, guess what? The other stuff's piddly. Paying your bills is piddly compared to your sin problem. Do you understand that? It is nothing compared to having your sins forgiven and being able to be right with God. And guys, right now, if you didn't notice, we didn't take communion earlier. Do you know that? And we're going to do that right now. Because we want you to remember, that's when we take communion, that is remembering Jesus' death. Why do we do it every week? Not because we're commanded to. We do it because we need to. We need to understand that God has taken care of our biggest problem we will ever have. And He is faithful to take care of any other problems that we will ever have. So I'm going to pray, and the, the guys are going to pass the communion. Yeah, get, now's the time to get up, guys. <laughs> and we, guys, while, we're, while you're taking that, you just need to focus on the fact that God is faithful enough to take care of your biggest problem. He can take care of whatever other problem you have, too. Let's pray. Father, I, I want to thank you as we, as, as we remember Jesus' death right now at a different time of our service. Father, we want to thank you that your faithfulness is proven true. Father, I thank you that you have such a monumental event for us to point back to. Father, I know that far too often in my life when I'm stressing and I'm thinking about the struggles and problems that I have and things that I want different, I don't think about the fact that you raised a dead body to life after it was crucified on a cross so I can be forgiven and so that I can live a new life. And then if you can take care of that, wow, I can tr trust you to take care of anything else in my life. Father, I thank you for being faithful to me. Father, to us.
and proving your faithfulness. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Okay, folks, that's the first thing Moses learned is that God is faithful. You guys, we need to realize God's going to be faithful to us too. Second thing we want to talk about, uh, his view of God, how Moses' view of God changed. Uh, it changed that he realized that the God is really Lord. That God's not just a Savior. God's not just there to, to make things all better, but He is Lord. And ultimately, what being Lord means, he learned it was three things. And number one, it's God's mission, it's God's timing, and God's way. You see, because, and I say that because, and this is a side note, when you read your Bible, you know, God, God did something very interesting. He didn't put everything in one place. You know that? I mean, when He says, seek and you'll find, He puts the emphasis on you seeking. I don't know how else to put that. And Moses is probably the person in the Bible that the most is written about. Perhaps, perhaps David compares, um, obviously Jesus, but Moses has a bunch of stuff written about him. And it's all in the Old Testament, except for Acts chapter 7, where it reveals, uh, a little bit more to us. You know, when, when Moses was at the burning bush, and God's talking to him, and God's saying, hey, i got this mission for you to do, and he comes up with these excuses, oh, God, I can't do that. They won't believe me. Who are you? Who said, who, 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 who am I going to say sent you? They won't believe me. God, I can't speak. I've never been able to speak right in front of people. You know, that's people's biggest fear is speak public speaking. I'm just like everybody else. I can't do it. And God takes care of that. And finally he says, just God, find somebody else. Just find somebody else, would you? Well, in Acts chapter 7, the story of Moses is told, or Moses is referred to. You see, at the burning bush, Moses was 80 years old. But when Moses was 40, he was a different guy. And in Acts chapter 7, it says, you know, it says that he was trained in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. And he was powerful in speech and action. I, you know, God should have just flat out called him a liar when he said, I ain't never been able to speak. Yeah, well, I'm going to tell the world you could, you know. He just dealt with his problem. But he said he was powerful in speech and action. And it says that one day he went out and he saw a, an Egyptian abusing a Hebrew, uh, beating him. And he made sure nobody was looking. And he killed the Egyptian and buried him in the sand. And it says that he thought, he thought that God was going to be using him at that time to free his people, to free God's people. I mean, it's a totally different man than what you see at the burning bush, isn't it? I mean, totally different. I mean, he was at age 40, he was a take charge kind of guy. I mean, he had it on straight. Did he think... When he said he thought the people would realize that God was trying to use him, he was right about something. God was going to use him. Not then. You see, guys, I was talking with the teacher service, uh, the Sunday school, or the children's ministry teachers during earlier this morning. And I said, what was the difference? And since it's a small crowd, they talk back to me. And I was asking, what was the difference between Moses when he was 40 and Moses when he was 80? And a man said, it was all about Moses when he was 40. 
You see, I believe at age 40, it was a very self-reliant thing. I'm the man. God's going to use me. He's clearly put me in such a position, giving me all this education and training. I'm powerful in speech and action. God is going to use me now. And God's going on. And what he learned was, no, that's not how it works. You see, God decides what your mission is. God decides the timing of that mission. And it's got to be done God's way. You see, guys, a most interesting thing happens. God had to really solidify this in Moses' life. And I, there's things in the Bible I question. And one of them is in Exodus chapter 4. After the burning bush, God talks him into going, going to Egypt. He talks him into freeing the people. He's sending him back. He grabs his family, tells his father-in-law, I've got to go back to Egypt. They're headed back, and a very interesting thing happens in Exodus chapter 4 and verse 24. It says, On the way to Egypt, at a place where Moses and his family had stopped for the night, the Lord met him and was about to kill him. Now, does anybody else go, what is that all about? Why would he kill him? And we find out it's because he did not have his boys circumcised. Now, that was a big deal because that was the sign of God's covenant with the Israelites was circumcision. And every male was supposed to be circumcised. Now, we don't know. Obviously, God expected Moses to know that. And I, we, again, the Bible doesn't reveal every detail to us. We don't know if maybe there was more happened at the burning bush. Okay? Maybe, you know, we just got a, the Reader's Digest version and God went on to say, oh yeah, and by the way, you know, that thing about your boys not being circumcised, you need to get them cut. Okay? Because this isn't going to fly. And uh, I, I don't know all the details of that. Uh, how, they, how would the, the, the Hebrews know if his boys were circumcised or not? I think they checked, is what I think. You can think about that all yourself. I don't know, okay? But you need to understand that God is serious about you doing things His way. And God said, I want every male Hebrew, Hebrew male, to be circumcised. That includes you, Moses. That includes your boys. And if you're not going to do it, if you're not going to honor me, I would rather kill you and use somebody else for this mission. See, Moses learned God's serious about it being done his way. We can't do it our way. You see, the guys that went on, he learned this lesson again later on in life. In Numbers chapter 20, they're wandering around in the wilderness, and the people... Uh, earlier in, in an earlier time wanted water. There's no water, and God says, Ah, oh, Moses, take your, take your stick, hit the rock, water will come out. He took his stick, hit the rock, water came out, everything's great. Now there's another time, Moses, God tells Moses, Speak to the rock, give him water. And Moses hits the rock. Twice. And this is what it says. It says, But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not trust in me enough, to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I give them. See guys, Moses did not get to go into the promised land simply because he hit the rock instead of spoke to the rock. 
Now, I don't know about you, but I think that's a little unfair. Anybody with me on that? I mean, Moses was a good guy. He did a lot of great things. And he screws up once? And God said, I mean, and I think it's an example of God saying, look, I'm going to judge leaders and teachers more you know, on a different standard than what I judge everybody else. Why? He, wanted to be, he, didn't, he dishonored God by not doing what God said. And all the people saw it. Guys, he wanted them to know, I am serious. When I say something, I'm serious about it. I want you to live your life my way. You see, guys, now I say that because I believe that right now, probably every one of us has something like this circumcision or speaking to the rock in front of us. What do you mean? Well, the Bible's a big book. Okay? It gives us a lot of instructions. It tells us a lot about how to live. And right now, I believe that if you're trying to follow Jesus, there's probably something like the circumcision that's standing in front of you that you're going, God, I'm not sure if I want to do that. You know what I'm saying? And I mean, guys, that's we get so caught up so many times in being religious and in, in, in involved in the activities of the church that we forget that we're supposed to follow Jesus as Lord on a daily basis. And we forget that what He says, He means. And we get busy doing good things without paying attention to some of the, the details, if you will. You see, guys, and, and this, has been a, this has been an issue. We, we've learned it. We continue to learn it. But I'm just going to talk about a couple of examples about it. You know, this fall we're going to be going through uh, the Sermon on the Mount in our small groups, in our discipleship groups. And the Sermon on the Mount has been described as, as Jesus' instruction manual for following Him. I mean, it is really, it's Christianity 101. You want to go follow Jesus, you, be, you better look at what the Sermon on the Mount has to say. And there's this little bitty verse in there that he follows up on later on that said, Blessed are the peacemakers. And later on he talks about if you're offering your gift at the altar and you find somebody has something you know, offended at you, you, you go make peace with them. You go get it straightened out. And guys, I just got to tell you, it is amazing how for so many years here at Greater Alton, we didn't do that. I mean, we stayed away from that. I don't know how else to put it. We had things in place that, that operated differently. I mean, and it was normal procedure. Uh, I can remember literally over 10 years ago, uh, we had our staff meeting at Greater Alton on Monday mornings. And there was a situation that played itself out multiple times where uh, a teenager would have a problem with their parents. And so they would talk to the teen leader about that problem. And the teen leader would talk to the youth minister, and the youth minister would talk to the evangelist, and the evangelist would come to the staff meeting and tell me to go talk to their parents. Has anybody seen anything wrong with that? <laughs> and guys, it was just, that happened multiple times. That was just, that was standard procedure. And we're, it finally dawned on me, we're not paying attention to what Jesus has to say. You know, a couple years ago, we went through some material called Peacemakers. You remember doing that? I mean, fabulous at, at breaking down and giving practical input on how, and teaching on how to do what Jesus says and be a peacemaker, how to be reconciled with people, how to, how to approach them, how to go about it. I mean, wonderful information. And at the time, we were going through that literally once a week, 
I was having somebody come to me and say, I got a problem with, with, with Sam over here. Not Sam, I'm sorry, Sam, you're here for the first time, not Sam. But you know, with somebody over here. I got a problem with somebody over here. Well, don't you think about going to talk to him? No, I want to talk to you about it. And I mean, and that just happened. And even shortly after we went through all the Peacemaker material, I was talking with somebody and they were bringing a problem they had with somebody else to me. And I said, he said, well, I'm telling you because you're their, you're their, you're their, you're their small group leader. And I said, well, there's only one problem with that. What's that? Jesus didn't tell me to go talk to him. Jesus told you to go talk to him. That's what he said. And it was like, oh, okay, that's what I need to do. But guys, it, it's, it's just so plain that Jesus says what? Be reconciled with people. Somebody offends you, talk to them about it. How many times has people been upset with somebody and they misunderstood what had happened? And, and, and problems were created because they just simply didn't get the misunderstanding cleared up. Jesus showed you how to do that by going to talk to them. Guys, there's another situation that you're going to find here in the, uh, in the, uh, in the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, it was a couple weeks ago, a month ago, I don't know how long ago, Alan was talking uh, with somebody. Okay, he was talking with Paul Mariolis. Paul told me I could mention him. And, and Paul, Paul has a person in his life who stirs things up. Is that fair to say? Stirs it up and, and treats him unfairly, unjustly, the whole nine yards. And it, it's an ongoing thing. And he was talking with Alan about it. And I, I don't know what they were talking. I assume he was talking about what he wanted to do or whatever. But I didn't hear all the detail of the story. Alan just told me he referred to him to something that Jesus said. He said it in, in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 39. It, is, it says this, Do not resist an evil person. Paul had to see it in the Bible before he believed it. Jesus said that. And I was talking to him earlier when I was asking permission to tell the story, and he said, I was mad. You see, because that's totally, if you know Paul, that is totally against his nature to not resist an evil person. Guys, that's the way it is. I've got to tell you personally, that's a challenge for me on a much well, I'd say a smaller scale than what Paul was dealing with, but it's the same. As you know, my wife and I, we own a couple car washes. Car washes are very simple businesses where people bring you money, that's very important, and they leave you their dirt. That's the way it works. Some people like to leave more dirt than others. Okay? Like tires, pallets. They like to leave you their used motor oil. Some of her are kind enough to leave it in a jug. Others just leave it in the drain. They change their oil in the car wash. Okay, which I believe there's a legal issue to that, as well as with the tires. They like to dump things in your dumpster. Now, most modern car washes have video surveillance. I would like to have video surveillance. Do you know why I would like to have video surveillance? I won't catch them. And I actually did this once, okay? We had another building in Greenville that people... You know, one of the things is they put stuff in your dumpster, okay? I'd like to take it back to them. 
I did that in Greenville once. Somebody brought big, three big old boxes, didn't even break them down, filled up the dumpster, and there was stuff they had, had you know, sent to them I bought over the Internet. It had their name and address on it, so I took it back to them. <laughs> Felt real good about myself. That may seem very minor stuff, guys, but really what it is, I'm wanting to, I'm wanting to make the evil person pay. That's what I'm wanting to do. Somebody is leaving motor oil, dumping it in the water. That I, that's awful. I, I, don't, I don't want them to have to... Lately, I've been hearing... I don't have a video surveillance system. One, it costs money. Two is... I believe my whole motive for getting a video surveillance system is to resist evil people. And you know what Jesus said? No. He said, don't do it. I mean, he challenged me a little bit bigger with it this summer where a lady claimed that we, her car was damaged by the car wash and it was going to be over $500 to get it repaired. And I really don't think our machine damaged your car. And I kept hearing this in my ear. Don't resist an evil person. Don't resist an evil person. I had her car fixed. Guys, I bring it up because what? Just like Moses had circumcision, I believe everybody in this room has something in front of them right now that Jesus has said that you're having a hard time doing. You have something in front of you right now that maybe you're having just, you just have some challenge in front of you, some struggle or some circumstances that you want changed. And Jesus has spoken on it. Maybe you don't know what he said. But I guarantee you when you find out, it will be a challenge for you. You see, guys, God is more interested in your character than he is your circumstances. And he's interested in you being a person who Jesus is really Lord of your life and not merely a religious person. He's more interested in you obeying Him than He is in you being involved in ministry. Do you know that? That's the way that is, guys. The one thing I want to touch on with this is, is God's timing. I, I want to tell you something, guys. I believe with all my, all my heart that God has a mission and a purpose for every individual that follows Him. He has something that He plans for you to do probably will never be known okay you're serving an audience of one your purpose won't they won't write they won't write a book about it they won't tell a story about it maybe your family will tell it but you have a purpose that you have to fulfill but you don't get to choose when that's done the bible is full of stories i mean literally moses joseph david and jesus for four examples of people where God revealed their mission to them, and it was decades before that mission took off, before it started taking place. And so, guys, I just want to encourage you, when you think about, talk about mission, it, if Jesus is Lord, it'll be on His time. It'll be on His time. All righty, guys, the third thing that Moses, how his view of God changed, is that he, he, he discovered that he's my friend. That he is my friend. Guys, this is what we started with in Exodus chapter 33 and verse 11. It says, Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. 
In the earlier passage, it says there was nobody else that God spoke with like that. Face to face as one speaks to a friend. Guys, you, you just need to understand something. You know, we a while ago, we remembered Jesus' death and the fact that God took away our biggest problem. He took away our sin problem. He took away the barrier between us and Him. And as a result of that, we have access to God that people didn't used to have. I don't know how else to say that. In Ephesians 3.12, this is what it says. Now we can come fearlessly right into God's presence, assured of His glad welcome when we come with Christ and trust in Him. Guys, I love that, and I chose that translation because we can come fearlessly, some translations say boldly, confidently, into His presence, assured of His glad welcome. You see, guys, when you, I don't know what you think of when you think of glad welcome. When you think of someone welcoming you gladly, this is what I think of. Open arms and a huge smile. Somebody that's happy, that's excited to see you. You know, if there's somebody that's excited to see you, man, you run to them. You don't have any problem approaching them. Guys, that's the way we can approach God. Because of what Jesus did on the cross. See, we can have that face-to-face like Moses had. That friendship with God. We can come boldly into His presence. So guys, I just want to to encourage you. For all you Facebook people, you have a friend request. Okay? It's from God. And He's saying, come see me. Guys, you need to understand, God wants to have a deep, intimate relationship with you. If that's going to be, it's going to be because you choose it. Let's pray and we'll be done today. All right? Father, I just want to thank you that you make yourself so plain. Father, that we can look at this and we can see your heart. We can see your desire. And Father, we can learn from it. Father, I thank you for being so faithful. I thank you that I can always go back to what you've done in in the Bible and, Father, also what you've done in my life. And you can remind me that you're faithful and that gives me courage. That gives me strength to trust you in the future. Father, not resisting an evil person is much easier because I trust you because I know that you have proved yourself faithful. Father, I just want to pray right now that you place that desire on our hearts to truly know you, to know you face to face as a friend, and to trust you as the Lord of our lives with all we have. That's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.